it's amusing to me, all the candidates that have wrapped themselves so tightly in Trump. I'm a big supporter of our president. I like what he's doing. But, you know, I'm running for a job in Alabama. And so I'm not doing that in my commercial. What I'm saying is that I'm going to fight corruption. And I think corruption matters. I'm going to fight to defend and preserve the Constitution because that's where you get your rights. This is Dare to Defend, a campaign podcast with Alice Martin. She's running for attorney general, and we're right there with her. I'm Brett Janik, and this is episode 18, Clear Contrast. Alice, great to have you back with us this morning. Where are you joining us from? I'm actually in Birmingham today, uh, headed up to Blunt and St. Clair counties, and then I'll come back to Birmingham uh, this afternoon. Well, last Wednesday, the Alabama Republican Assembly endorsed you for the June 5th Republican primary. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the group, who are they and what does their endorsement mean for your campaign? Well, they um, have a tagline, I would say that they're the Republican wing of the Republican Party. So another way of saying that is that they're true conservatives that I think have deep roots with the party. They're not Johnny-come-lately people. They study the issues uh, very much. They strongly believe in limited government and individual personal liberties. So uh, I'm very pleased to have their endorsement and their assistance on the trail. And people can find out more about them on the Internet through their Facebook account and through website. You seem to be generating the most grassroots support of any AG candidate, whether it be with Alabama Republican Assembly or Bama Carey with Alpha. Uh, What challenges do you face in mobilizing and capitalizing on this grassroots support? Well, and I want to note one other thing. The grassroots support of people that are going online to send me $5 or $10 or $25. They can't really imagine how important that is. And I bring that up because now we're in a different financial period of the campaign since we're three weeks out. Um, People will know that we now are filing reports every 10 days, and then at the end you go to every day. And I was struck by the reports that we had to file on Monday. And, um, And that was, I think, the 12th uh, let's see. Gosh, I need to pull up a calendar when I'm talking to you. We we had to file our financial reports, pardon me, on the 14th. And it was very telling because I had 47 individuals that contributed to me. And, um, and that was the bulk of my money where um, Troy King, Steve Marshall, uh, their money was from PACs. And that is uh, indicative of what it's been throughout this campaign. Um, And so I think people need to think about, do you have grassroots support? support, Are you being um, uh, bought and paid for by special interests? And so there's a tremendous amount of -of out-of-state money coming in and money coming through PACs, just $75,000 checks here and there, all from Tuscaloosa PACs controlled by Mike Eccles. Um, just huge money, 200 and 
uh, $50,000 or so coming from BCA into another candidate. So exactly what is their particular interest in the AG's race? And think about that. So I'm very happy to have that grassroots support. Um, so I may have gotten a little off of your question there, but the grassroots support is very important because while the money is, is obviously critical to and pays for the TV ads and the radio ads, I really like the buzz that's the uh, – one-on-one, someone telling their friend at church, someone telling their friend at the at the hair salon, uh, someone telling their friend at the cafe that I've met this person. Uh, I like what they want to do for Alabama, and that's who I'm voting for, and that's why. Well, it's really interesting that your campaign finance report played out that way. You know, from the very start, you've been for the people, not the powers that be, and so it's interesting to see that that's being reflected in those reports. With just a few weeks left, we're starting to see some good old-fashioned mudslinging. The political insults and falsehoods are flying fast and loose. Have there been any ridiculous anti-Alice smears that have stood out to you? Do you have a favorite? Well, I I think maybe the favorite is, oh, she lied and didn't tell us she uh, interviewed with the governor because on February the 10th, uh, the day that the governor uh, appointed uh, Steve Marshall, they put out a press release saying who interviewed. So uh, it was in the Montgomery Advertiser. So I find that, that amusing. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, this is part of it. It's not the pleasant part of it, but it is just a, a known fact that you're always going to have May surprises. Well, Turning to some national news, last week, New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman resigned from office after four women accused him of violent and intimidating behavior. You spoke out in support of the women, calling Schneiderman's actions reprehensible. Is the Me Too movement finally filtering down the level of state politics? Is the Me Too movement just a phenomenon in liberal readouts like New York, or do you sense its emergence in places like Alabama? I think the Me Too movement is certainly here in Alabama. We saw it uh, in the uh, Roy Moore uh, special uh, Senate election campaign. Here's what I want to come from all of it, though, uh, that's much bigger than the um, New York attorney general resigning from office. So to me, that's an indicator that he has culpability, the fact that he's resigning from office. What I want people to take away is that these are not isolated cases. Alabama has uh, an issue with domestic violence, not unlike other states. But I have said on the campaign trail that 18% of all arrests last year in Alabama were for domestic violence, dating violence, violence among our children that are 16 to 25 in that sort of dating range is on the rise. Physical violence, there is a rape uh, murder almost every day in Alabama that is connected to a domestic situation and over 30,000 assaults last year. And so we have got to make people um, accountable under the law for this and quit saying, oh, uh, so-and-so just had a little too much to drink or or, um, she egged him on or or he egged her on, those kind of things. We've got to get down to the fact that physical violence in relationships is not acceptable and it is criminal activity. And I hope more voices will speak up Uh, And I hope that uh, we can, under my administration, do more uh, training 
with uh, there's a wonderful physician that's in the uh, medical school administration down in Dothan, uh, Dr. Lentz, who's talked with me when I was in the AG's office about the need for enhanced training for physicians. Um, we need enhanced training for law enforcement. We need the sexual assault nurse examiners at our hospitals, especially in our cities where we have college populations. We have underporting of uh, uh, rapes on, and assaults on our college campuses. That's been noted uh, by authorities. And it is time to pull back those curtains to protect those individuals. Will you talk about the role of victims in speaking out, the role of officials and doctors and, and other people who can help support those victims? But it also seems like the perpetrators themselves need to be held accountable, not just in the public square, but also by, you know, in the case of politicians, the political forces that support them. I know that there's been a lot of rhetoric in support of, of these victims. For instance, the chairman of the Republican uh, Attorney General's Association condemned Schneiderman's actions, saying, I commend these strong women for standing up, speaking out and sharing their stories, which will hopefully empower other victims to speak out against violence. RAGA is a powerful political force. In Alabama alone, they've plowed $250,000 into AG Steve Marshall's campaign. But as we discussed a few months ago, there are credible allegations that Steve Marshall used his power as district attorney of Marshall County to silence a victim of sexual assault. Does the RAGA chairman's statement ring disingenuous when one considers the $250,000 that they've dumped into Marshall's campaign coffers? Well, I have no idea what uh, what she's aware of or if they've looked at the accounts. Of course, what you're referring to is that a um, month or so uh, before Mr. Marshall was appointed by Don Siegelman to be the district attorney in Marshall County, there was a uh, there was a complaint made by a female member of the district attorney's uh, office that uh, one of the assistant district attorneys, one of the males, assaulted her, physically assaulted her, groped her. Um, and, and pinned her against a wall. And um, Marshall came into office and in his uh, sworn testimony that's in federal court said he knew of the allegation, but he thought it had been resolved. Uh, but what he did during his watch, according to the woman, and this again is from federal court filings, uh, he just shoved her down into the basement and said, here, you work down here <clears throat> and you two just don't go to court together kind of thing. And uh, she did not feel that she was protected. She didn't feel that the chief law enforcement officer of the county had done anything. Uh, Marshall has said he thought it was resolved. Uh, she has said there's no way that was the case because I tried repeatedly to get him to talk to me uh, to right this situation. I felt intimidated and um, those kind of things. And he did nothing, wouldn't even take her phone call. And he worked in, and that was her boss. Uh, all of that is in a federal lawsuit uh, that condemned these actions. So um, if they know that, I, I don't know. But um, I can just simply say that it's it's out there. It's for Alabama voters to educate themselves on and to see whether or not that's um, behavior that they think is acceptable from a leader. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court paved the way for states to legalize sports betting, reversing a 1992 federal law that banned legalized sports betting in a majority of the states. 
Unlike lotteries, sports betting isn't banned in the Alabama Constitution, meaning it could potentially be legalized in the legislature. Attorney General Steve Marshall has suggested that a constitutional amendment would be needed for the state to legalize it. Is he correct in this assessment, or is he simply trying to keep this from becoming a campaign issue? Well, you know, I've agreed with that, and I'm principally based on the fact that I believe that's what the strange administration thought on the um, DraftKings and FanDuel. So I have not had a chance that's come down in the last 48 hours uh, to independently research that because I know a former Solicitor General, John Nyman, uh, reportedly said to the paper he thought it could be done by legislative action. So that's something I'm going to need to uh, dig into here uh, when I can come up for air and do a little re- legal research. But uh, obviously it is something that uh, uh, will be a hot legislative topic, uh, I believe, at the next um, legislative session. So if that matters to people, uh, they ought to be asking their um, candidates of where they stand on the issue of gaming and gambling. You've made pretty clear your stance on on gambling, uh, but what about sports betting? Do you see it as a something of a different character, or is it part and parcel of the same gambling concerns that you have uh, otherwise? You know, I, I, for anybody that might not know what my position is, I don't personally uh, gamble. Um, uh, it's uh, just not something I do. It's not. A, it's not a fun thing for me to lose my money. <laughs> I'd rather go to the store and have something for it when I come out. So I just don't find it a source of entertainment. I find it a source of stress. Um, gambling can bring corruption into states, and uh, that is certainly known in my profession of prosecution. Uh, I tell people it's up to the legislature and up to the voters of Alabama how they want to deal with this issue. And as attorney general, I'll enforce whatever laws are passed. But I do uh, not like the fact that we've got illegal gambling currently occurring in Alabama and we don't have leaders that will take action against them. Um, I know that uh, General Strange had asked Bentley to uh, refer the DA's sheriffs of the counties where you have illegal gambling occurring for impeachment so that they could be removed and we could get law enforcement in there that would apply the laws, and the governor did nothing. So that is a problem. We need to have rules and regulations, and we need to have transparency in the gambling. Speaking of gambling, John Archibald took to the pages of Ale.com last week to dress down Troy King for trying to distance himself from gambling, from the gambling industry, which he cozied up to during his previous tenure as AG from 2004 to 2011. After leaving office, King also filed a series of gambling-related patents with the U.S. Patent Office, uh, trying to cash in on a Class Two bingo game called Oh Craps. And in this race, King is taking money from donors with deep ties to the gambling industry. And yet, polls consistently show him having a good chance to make the runoff. Has enough time passed from the great bingo debates of the mid-aughts that Alabamians have simply forgotten about this issue, or do they no longer care? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen any polling. Uh, um, Some polling I heard about said that uh, Alabamians probably would vote to have a lottery if they were given that opportunity. This is what I will say, that when you're the attorney general, you're supposed to enforce the law. You enforce the law you'd like and then enforce laws you don't like. Uh, It's up to the lawmakers to do that, and and you're there to uh, serve that role. 
uh, when King was in office, he refused to enforce the, the gambling laws. Uh, he had a different interpretation. We had a round with Governor uh, Riley going to court, and then there was a task force, and those uh, facilities were shut down. And then over a period of almost 10 years of litigation, the Alabama Supreme Court has said you cannot play electronic bingo in Alabama. And they are they are the interpreters of our, our law and our Constitution, and so that should be enforced. Now, King created this game uh, to try to have a legal way to play bingo at those facilities. It was called Oh Craps. He has some patents. He used to have a website on it. So for him to distance himself from something that was his, that he marketed, is just simply uh, untrue and disingenuous with voters. So I hope they will uh, look back at the um, Archibald article and in the articles that were referenced therein. Uh, and certainly all you have to do is look at his campaign finance reports to see the money that is flowing uh, from South Carolina entities and others that are connected to the gambling industry. My point that I want to point out to people is don't think that because you have a lottery or because you have casinos that all of a sudden everything in the state is going to be cured, all of our woes. All we have to do uh, sometimes is say, well, it's going to be for education. It's going to be for the children. It'll help us with Medicaid. Um, you know, I'm a native of Mississippi. I've lived in Alabama for 30 years, but I remember when the casinos opened in Mississippi, it was going to solve every problem that the state of Mississippi had. Education, health care, all those things. They've now had full class three gaming in Mississippi for 25 plus years. And where does Mississippi rank on education and health care and all those other things? What has it done for them? You know, uh, yes, you can point to uh, uh, success here or there. And you certainly have a few good roads that run to the casinos, but I don't see the state of Mississippi having dramatically benefited its citizens because they have that money. I want to encourage our lawmakers to um, develop jobs and to have incentives that, that, you know, create an environment for business growth in Alabama so that individuals have good jobs. Well, turning away from the O-Craps table, I want to get your views on Alabama's civil asset forfeiture program, which was recently raised at a May 2nd candidates forum in Montgomery. What is the current asset forfeiture policy of the AG's office and where do you and the other candidates differ on this matter? Yeah, well, civil forfeiture um, is different from criminal forfeiture. And just just for anybody listening, um, it's about getting the ill-gotten gains. If you've committed a crime, you shouldn't benefit in your wallet by doing so. And so um, let's take the typical case um, that you think of. And uh, you've got a car that's stopped and there's drugs in the money. You're going to take all of that. You get a criminal conviction against the person and you get to forfeit it. And it is then used by police departments and they might forfeit the car and they can use the car. And that's what people typically think of. Civil forfeiture is where you have a situation where law enforcement says, we think this may be a part of a, a criminal uh, uh, ill-gotten gains. And uh, there is never a criminal charge made. They just take what they want, they seize it, and then you have to prove, essentially, that it wasn't. So a good example here is 
or we'll use casinos. Somebody has gone over and they've won in Biloxi and they've got $5,000 in cash and they're driving back and they're stopped. And the police see the 5000 and they say, well, you know, that could be ill-gotten gains of a criminal enterprise. So we're going to take that. Now that person has to go into court to try and show that that was their money and it is not as a result of any crime they've committed. And um, some people argue in Alabama that that has been abused. Um, we've seen seizures as small as $1,200. Uh, there's probably been a time that I, I've had $1,200 in my pocket. I can't remember when it would have been, but you know what I'm saying. You know, maybe it's maybe you got uh, you've got uh, a lucky day there. But my point is, um, I think that shifting the burden that is denying innocent owners appropriate due process. And I think there's a way to adjust and reform that without cutting the legs off of law enforcement and denying them the opportunity to make their case as to why they believe it is ill-gotten gains and should be seized. I think there is some middle ground and reform needs to occur. And the distinct difference is that Steve Marshall believes that it's fine as it is, that nobody's abusing it. Uh, I don't feel that way. We've talked before about the difficulty of controlling the policy contours of this campaign, and it seems like the issues of the day, whether it be asset forfeiture or anything else, have whipsawed back and forth. But in the closing weeks of the campaign, what two or three issues do you think will determine Alabamians' vote in June? And is there a clear contrast between you and the other candidates on these issues? Unfortunately, I think sometimes what determines uh, who someone votes for is the last sign they saw or the last TV commercial they saw. What I encourage people to do is to look at what the candidates have put on their websites, the speeches they've made, go meet the candidates. Um, it's, it's amusing to me, uh, all the candidates that have wrapped themselves so tightly in Trump. I'm a big supporter of our president. I like what he's doing. But, you know, I'm running for a job in Alabama. And so I'm not doing that in com my commercial. What I'm saying is that I'm going to fight corruption. And I think corruption matters. I'm going to fight to defend and preserve the Constitution because that's where you get your rights. And so regardless of what Trump is doing, whether it's uh, moving the uh, embassy in Israel or dealing with Little Rocket Man or dealing with uh, tax cuts, you know what? We're going to feel that effect, but I'm going to be working to do what needs to be done for the people in Alabama to protect them. So I want, uh, I hope that voters will look at that and see through all of the um, touchy-feely uh, vanilla ads that I see out there that don't tell you one thing about what they want to do as Alabama Attorney General, because to me, the biggest roles are to defend our communities and our children. Uh, to be that leadership, to make sure we have strong criminal laws so that the DAs can do their work in your town, in your county, and defend the Constitution and fight corruption, because that's not being done anywhere but your AG's office. So for those candidates that aren't even mentioning corruption, I would say it's because that's not what they want to go to Montgomery to do. And I would say that's pretty obvious by how they're being supported by special interests that want to weaken the ethics laws. Certainly seems like a clear contrast to me. 
Well, Alice, as we close, I'd just like to personally commend you on your dedication and commitment to this podcast and to our listenership. I like to imagine that Dare to Defend is some sort of safe haven for you, a respite (laughs) from the grind of the campaign trail, a place where you can kick around new ideas. But in reality, it's just one more early morning phone call, just another (laughs) event in a jam-packed schedule. So thank you. I know our listeners certainly appreciate your hard work and commitment. And I know that that same hard work and commitment will serve you well when you're elected attorney general. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate you hosting it. I hope that people that are listening as we do get closer now to the vote, it's 20 days as we're recording this today on the 16th. I hope they'll share with friends that they've listened to a podcast that interests them and if they really do want to learn more, uh, that they can. The information's out there. I think the candidates are working hard to do that. Uh, We just need the voters now in these last few days to engage and go out because people are predicting low turner low voter turnout. And I think that would be a shame for us because we've got um, about 35 open seats in the legislature. All the sheriffs are up for election. You've got a governor, lieutenant governor. And these are people that are making important decisions about your life and your community safety. So I encourage everybody to go out and vote on June the 5th. You have until Monday, May the 21st to register to vote. You can download the app from the Alabama Secretary of State on your phone. And if you have a valid Alabama driver's license, you can register over the phone. You don't even have to go to the courthouse anymore. And if you've moved since the last time you voted and that will affect your voting box and you've got your driver's license, you can change your voting location on an app on the phone as well. And if you're gonna vote absentee, please do that. Remember, a lot of folks will have gone to the beach Uh, So don't miss out on the opportunity to exercise your civic duty and vote on June the 5th by absentee voting if you're not going to be at your polling place that day. Alish, pleasure as always to speak with you and good luck on the trail this coming week. Thank you. All right. Talk to to you soon. Off to Blunt County. (laughs) Bye-bye. Dare to Defend is an 1819 Media production. To learn more about Alice Martin and her campaign for attorney general, visit her at www.alicemartin.com. I'm Brett Janik, and we'll see you next week from the trailer.